this is the car dealer podcast driven by car gurus. You want the best return from your advertising budget and car gurus piston heads are focused on the same goal. With car gurus piston heads you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites who can turbocharge your digital forecourt. Connect with in-market high quality buyers today. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. For a limited time only, get 10% reduction off your new subscription when you tell them that we sent you. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk. This is the Car Dealer Podcast, and I am your host, Rebecca Chaplin. If you've never heard of Car Dealer before and you want to find out more, uh, we do the latest updates all about the automotive industry seven days a week. We also publish a monthly magazine online all about what's happening in the motor trade. You can find this and much, much more at cardealermagazine.co.uk. If you enjoy listening to us today and you are doing so on Apple Podcasts, we would love if you can take 10 seconds out of your day to give us a five-star review. So welcome back to the podcast where editor-in-chief of Car Dealer Magazine, James Baggett, competes with me each week to choose the best news stories. We're joined today for episode 17 by a returning guest, John Ray of Car Dealer Magazine fame. John, hello. How have you been since you last had to replace Umesh on the podcast? Hello. Uh, very good. And obviously, I have been listening to all of the several podcasts that have come since. <laughs> Thank you. Good to hear, John. And James, how are you? Oh, sorry, I was drinking my tea then. I'm very yeah. well. Thank you. Very well. <laughs> what have you been doing on Car Dealer this week? Um, it's been a bit of a weird week, hasn't it? Because obviously, uh, just after Easter weekend, four days, nobody knows what day of the week it is. Um, and it seems like everybody is on holiday moment so um, it's been a little bit quieter than normal but there has been some good news stories once again good I think that my brain is still on holiday so um, and for anyone listening we're doing this earlier than usual which has thrown me slightly so let's hope that the stories are as on par as usual I don't say good but um, so John's going to be our guest judge today if you've never listened to before what me and James do is choose five stories each which we think are the best and biggest stories of the week um, we're going to take it in terms of talk about them. And at the end, John is going to have the final say on who chose best. But he's also going to tell us if he thinks we missed anything. Uh, the winner is going to be decided based on overall best stories. And if you disagree with any of us, please do let us know by tweeting at Cardealermag with the stories you think should have been included. Last week, I won again. James isn't even paying attention. Right, we'll stop paying attention now. Um, but that's good news for me because it means I get to go first. But James is still leading 8-6. But it's getting closer. A little bit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I will kick off then um, with a story from today, which I thought was quite interesting, um, about logistics saying that we should use reservation fees and not deposits to get around. Get around is probably not the sort of phrase that we should <laughs> use. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yes, second event, much better word. Um, distant selling rules. Um, and yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. I keep reading on Facebook and on the forum and stuff, people who think they understand or don't understand. Like it's just for never ending. The fact we've been doing this for over a year now. Well, I mean, it's been going on for even longer than that, but just no one cared until 
March last year. Um, but yeah, quite interesting. Yeah, this is the start of dealers reopening on Monday, isn't it? So obviously the, all the dealers reopen on April the 12th, which is good news. But this will mean that instead of, at the moment, they pay a deposit online, the whole deal is done remotely because the showrooms are closed, which means all customers get a 14 day basically money back guarantee they can reject the car or hand the car back after 14 days no harm done dealer has to give them their cash back which is obviously not the sort of thing that dealers want to do so this reservation fee is something that was in place before and it's going to be this hybrid of i hate the term but omni-channel retailing that goes um that's going to be the the, the future for dealers um but this is the this is a protection isn't it if they take a reservation fee instead of a deposit it means that the 14 day thing doesn't kick in and they're back to the same rules as before so it's but, yeah the way it's, of doing the online selling but but, but it's protection. slightly more complicated than that isn't it because it's if they put a reservation fee down and then they come and see the car or they come and see the car and then they go online and they put a reservation fee down rather than a deposit. It's, it's yeah. where the paperwork signed, isn't it? I mean, if the paperwork signed remotely, then it's a distant sale. If the paperwork signed in the dealership, then it's not. I think it's more to do with in this particular story about the wording and the fact that a reservation is not actually entering into a contract with them. If you're taking a deposit, then they are entering into a contract. They're committing to buy that car, but a reservation is just they don't want you to sell it to someone else before they've had a look at it. Yeah, it's a, it's an important it's an important thing. It sounds a very a very minor amend, but changes the whole way of doing things, doesn't it? And mm. Something that I mean, dealers are going to have to get used to selling in person again. I know they've been doing it for years, but it's very very it's going to be very strange. They've been they've been closed. Doors have been shut since the start of January. I mean, it's a long time. Mm. So about getting those 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 skill sets sharp again isn't it really i think there'll be a lot of dealers that don't really want customers back in no i <laughs> i had a couple of tweets off the back of the fact that when we posted the story that they're going to be opening on april 12th this week they said oh great that's going to be loads of tie kickers turning up on monday i'll look forward to that especially <laughs> look... easter holidays as well and nothing to do yeah true new uh it's a new, it's a new theme park it's interesting because who would have thought that would be the attitude after how many months we've had of doing this, you know, kind of thing. I'm sure there are lots of people who are raring to get back to it, mm. but it has showcased how, you know, a lot of the things that we've implemented over the pandemic have actually been all the better. Yeah. Really, for both sides. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It just, I think it's, it's just missing that bit at the moment, isn't it? Where people can go and look at the cars mm. with kind of no strings it's attached, I guess. It's going to be fascinating to see what split online and physical sales has in the future, isn't it? In this, as, as dealerships reopen, it'd be interesting to see how many people continue to buy online or have held off because they want to go into a dealership and do it. I'd be fascinated to see what the figures are um, as we go forward over the next few months because we'll, we'll know then whether there is a, another phrase I hate, new normal. Mm. Mm. Well, funny you talk about phrases you hate. As I've tried to avoid stories this week that talk about the return to showrooms because I don't know how many times I've written this week as car dealers prepare to reopen someone is doing this just in time for car dealerships to reopen I don't know how many times I've written April 12th in the last week but it's been a lot this story I look at uh, at the moment second bar prepared to reopen on April the 12th <laughs> <laughs> I've written it so much I know it's a big deal but I'm very tired of it already
Anyway, you choose the story, James. Try and make it not about April 12th. Uh, okay, I will make sure that's uh, not the case. Um, so this, my first story is going to be the one about car dealers being advised to remove names from used car mm. services or face expensive court cases. Um, now, we all know GDPR is an absolute nightmare. John, who obviously looks after it for uh, Car Dealer Magazine, will have t- torn out many hairs off the back of uh, some GDPR nightmares. Um, and I'm sure it's, it, it's not good for, for car dealers either. But this one I just thought was quite interesting. because So this was a case with, I got a phone call from the boss of a, of a large dealer group who didn't want to be named. And this will obviously become obvious once I explain the story. But this was an innocent mistake. He sold a used car, one of his dealers did, um, clearly stated to the customer that it was only one key. Um, the, the new owner found an old service invoice in the glove box that had the previous keeper's address on it. So decided to write them a letter um, and asked them quite innocently if they got a, have they got a spare key. Um, but this uh, previous owner was um, obviously a, a GDPR Nazi, uh, hated the fact that somebody had sent them a, uh, sent them a letter, um, so decided to kick up a massive fuss, got in touch with one of these no-win-no-fee solicitors who sent uh, this dealer group a, um, a nasty letter, um, and the lawyers of the dealer group basically advised this, this dealer to settle out of court, and they had to pay them £3,000 um, to settle this case. Um, because they, I mean, they were advised that they may have been able to argue it in the court, but the legal fees alone, I mean, these go to the high court. So the legal fees alone would have been an absolute nightmare. Um, so we've got some advice from logistics and CG professionals. And they both said that basically, to be safe, redact any personal information from invoices. Um, the, the one that kind of, the, the thing that sprung up in my mind in this one is the V5, because previous keepers details are on the v5 aren't they but uh, well as someone who had a new v5 recently because i've moved house they are not on there anymore they're removed oh are they yeah That's well i say that i'm the first owner of my car but my other half's car when he bought his during the pandemic does not have any previous keeper details on it Oh, that's interesting. I mean, they did say that, um, I think it was, it was Stacey, Stacey Turner from CG Professionals said that the disclosure of the previous keeper details on the V5 certificate is allowed as it's a legal requirement. But still, mm. how is that different? <laughs> you know, it's no different to finding that, that receipt mm. or, or invoice in the glove box. But I mean, this, this dealer basically said to me that they're now going to just remove, either remove the service history or, or, or black out the names and addresses. But you know what it's like? You've bought a used car. Uh, I mean, you know, some of my old crap cars, I mean, I've got wads of service history in there because mm. people like to look through them, don't they? So this sort of goes against what we've, what we've deemed service history in the past. But I just thought it was, it was an interesting warning. And, and I'm glad this dealer rang me up and told me it had happened because it meant that we could investigate it a bit further and, and, and warn other dealers. It's an interesting concept but i do think when you buy particularly classic cars and you have stacks of information that information is in there because the person who sold the car wants you to have it so it's almost like it's their responsibility in that case to well and that's exactly what nona said from from um from logistics i mean she said that the fact that they'd been left in the car Mm. was 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 deemed could be taken as the the fact that they were happy for it to be shared yeah and I think this would have been their argument if they had gone to court, but you could still lose, couldn't you? 
Well, like if I if I sold a laptop or a phone, it's my responsibility to have wiped all my data off. Yeah. That's what I would think. And the same goes with, you know, when you pair your phone with your car or your phone book goes across the car's, you know, call system thingy. So it's got all your previous calls in, but it's my responsibility to wipe that ultimately. Not the but haven't they said that's actually dealers, if it's bought yeah. by a dealer and sold on, it's their responsibility to make sure oh, that's right. wiped as well. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that's the thing, isn't it? If you're selling your car through a dealership, you wouldn't have that data on the V5, even in that argument, would you? Because it would have mm-hmm. gone into the trade and then come out of the trade again. It's just, it's another headache that, that, that dealers don't need really, is it? Yeah. But I, d- I just thought it was interesting the way that they came up and clearly people are being caught out by it. And, and actually there'll probably be some, some previous customers out there that will try it on, knowing that they can get £3,000 out of the dealer that they've sold their car to. You, you can see it happening, can't you? So I think mm. dealers just need to be really careful on this. Mm. So that's my first one. Back to you. Um, I'm going to go with a story from earlier in the week about um, parent company to BCA Cinch and We Buy Any Car making a loss of £368.5 million in 2019 slash 20, which I'm sure, James, you'll be able to talk more about because I don't really understand it, but from the sounds of it, two it was like 266 million was down to um what do they call it basically written off because of the pandemic writing down assets basically so um but 100 million of that was still good goodwill impairment they call it 266.4 million was was written down um and that's basically assets that they've got and goodwill that they've taken on on previous businesses that are now worth less than what they paid for so it's it's not a cash loss, which mm. is why their EBITDA numbers better, um, because that's obviously before that has all been taken out. But it's uh, it's on paper, so it, it it basically reads worse than it than it actually is. Um, I think the interesting thing in there was the cinch numbers, though, wasn't it? It kind of mm. incurred costs of five point two million and brought in brought in revenue of one hundred thousand pounds, so a loss of of, of 5.1 million but then most of those costs were spent on marketing i mean probably you've five got paid for ryland somehow haven't you well five million of that is probably his teeth so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he's an expensive purchase but yeah so it was interesting but um i mean that is a very very solid company um so and i think it's going to have some huge huge growth especially if Simps gets a valuation that's similar to kazoo which there's rumored mm. to have so um I think they're, they're probably not worried about paying their mortgages. Let's put it that way. You go for your one then. Okay, I will. Um, I'm going to go with some Lookers News. Um, and the reason I picked this one is we've talked about Lookers a lot on the, uh, on the podcast, but this was an unscheduled announcement that came out uh, two days ago um, saying that they, their performance for the first quarter of 2021 is ahead of the board's expectations. Uh, they sold 44,000 new and used cars uh, with the showrooms shut compared to 49,000 in the same period last year. And you've got to remember the lockdown didn't happen until the last week of March in 2020. So, I mean, that's a pretty impressive achievement, uh, the fact that they are that close with with sales completely completely online. Um, they're, they're, they, they say they're... they're um, the, the new car sales were, were down slightly, used car sales were down slightly, but actually, I mean, you can, I mean, that's sort of to be expected, isn't it? 
considering there is a lockdown, but they were really happy with their performance. Uh, Mark Raven in the announcement um, said he was said he was particularly pleased with with how Lookers had performed. And importantly, is they've uh, announced that their profit uh, before tax expectation for this year 2021 is now going to be they say materially ahead of the current analyst um, consensus that the analysts had previously estimated lookers were going to make 22.6 million um, yet the yesterday peel hunt uh, one of the one of the analysts increased their uh, forecast by 47 percent up 11 million to 34.8 million. 11 million. 11, that's quite a jump. It's not like a margin, is it? That's <laughs> pretty big. <laughs> and um, and Zeus Capital today have done the same thing. They're they're increasing their forecast to thirty four point two million for twenty twenty one and uh, forty eight million in twenty twenty two. So, I mean, what I like about this story is we we've talked a lot about lookers, haven't we, and how they've had trouble and how they've they've been managing to sort out their their problems in the past. The FCA investigation, internal fraud, the fact that they didn't get all their results out last year. I mean, it was an it was a saga that would rival EastEnders, wasn't it? But it's nice to see them come out of this positively and the share price bouncing off, off the back of it. Last July, when the shares were suspended, 21 pence. This morning, 71.6 pence a share. So big growth um, and shows you that actually the, the investors believe there's a solid business there in Lookers. And, and I think the analysts, the analysts believe it too. So it'd be nice to watch this this rise rise from the ashes um, that was a was a seriously troubled company last year, but nice to see them getting their house in order. Mm. It's a bit like the um, Pendragon thing as well. I remember us doing a story about how do you solve a problem like Pendragon, yeah, yeah. with a pandemic. Yes, with a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting to see, hasn't it? How I mean, they've been able to. All these companies have been able to make these difficult decisions that they needed to do anyway, but have been been forced into a lot of the time. They've cut costs because they've had to laser focus on on, on cutting them. Um, and then they've had these tailwinds, as Dash Gupta has called it, with the with the rate relief, the furlough, the used car margins. It's and it and it's paid off. It's paid off for these dealers. And actually the fact that it's continued in 2021 in this first quarter is really good to see. Um, and the fact that they're not far off where they, they where they thought they were going to be and, and in lookers respects better does pave the way for a good end of 2021 these the remaining months um i think they're going to catch up we'll be right back the car dealer podcast is driven by cargurus you want the best return from your advertising budgets and cargurus piston heads are focused on the same goal With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites who can turbocharge your digital forecourt. Connect with in-market, high-quality buyers today. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. For a limited time only, you can get 10% reduction on your new subscription when you tell them that we sent you. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk. Now, let's get back to the quiz sort of leads on to, well, sort of leads on to my story I'm going to pick next. Is it? Excellent. Um, not really the same thing at all, but we had the news this week about BMW Group and their Q1 sales yeah. um, up massively. It was around a third on where they were this time last year, or Q1 last year. Um, and then 
we've also had the news that Rolls-Royce had their best Q1 ever in 116 years as part of that. Um, I think mini sales by volume are up, but not by value. And BMW um, were also up across the board. But I think I was talking to you about this as well yesterday, James, that it amazes me because how many of those sales they had this time last year would have been fleet business car owners mm, that yeah. i just can't see that happening at the moment no that's that, that market's probably probably dropped quite considerably i mean i thought that i had the, the rolls royce story on my list um story we posted today i think those those numbers are incredible for the first three months this year they delivered 1380 cars up 62 mm. percent on the same period last year 62 percent. i mean that is I mean, that really is amazing. It probably shows you that actually at the higher end, the, you know, the luxury end of the market, super, you know, super high net worth individuals that are buying Rolls Royce, they haven't been affected by the pandemic at all. Actually, mm. they've probably benefited from it hugely. You know, these are the sorts of people that have run in businesses that have had to make these, these drastic, drastic um, cost cutting measures. And they've they've benefited as a result. I mean, I just think that Rolls Royce number is is really impressive. And they say they were strongest in China, US, and the Asia Pacific. So it's obviously not not in the Europe market, but still um, nice to see a, a firm based just down the road doing very well. It's um just to, I was just trying to put that into context, thinking how long does it actually take to build a Rolls Royce? Because you do you say that's actually deliveries in Q one. Yeah. Yeah, deliveries. Surely it's quite a long time from the moment that you commit to buy a Rolls Royce to when you actually get it. Mm. Yeah, probably is, but still. I would say it's probably fed part of that is the new, they've launched a new Ghost, haven't they? Mm. Which, so they were probably, not to undermine the credibility of the story, obviously, but they were probably tapering down their production of the previous one last year, I would guess, or I don't know. Yeah. Impact. But you're absolutely right. I mean, like, you know, we saw it at the beginning of the pandemic, didn't we? All these stories about we expect people to go and buy all these tiny little super minis and whatever so they don't have to get the bus. And then we speak to, you know, people like Karki and they're saying, no, no, it's all, you know, AMG Mercs and all mm. that kind of stuff. It's people treating themselves. Well, yeah, when we had PJ on the other week and he was saying about how they've just changed their stock profile and now they do sporty luxury stuff instead mm. because it's what people want. And you've got to remember the Rolls-Royce factory was closed for, it was at least, it was at least a month last year, I think, mm. if not longer, because I remember running the story when they, because I think they were one of the first to reopen, first to restart production. Um, so, I mean, that wouldn't have helped, would it? I mean, especially when you say long lead times, I'm sure they're knocking out Rolls-Royces in a week now. It's probably. Yeah, it's probably not yeah. as bad as that, but I do. I, yeah. I'm sure they still do these very long process where you have all the designing and you go to the factory and it's not just a, ah, oh, yes, you want this from one from the book. I will go make it now. You can have this pre-red Rolls-Royce ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. We've only got it in the red with the alloy wheels. Uh, and those starry, the starry lights in the uh, headrest. Yeah. But there five of them have stopped working. <laughs> um, <laughs> you go for another story. Let's stop talking about making Rolls-Royces. <laughs> I think we'd be very good at that. Um, I'm going to go with the story about Brits uh, apparently saving 18 billion during the pandemic, uh, and 41% of them say they're going to consider splashing out their cash on a new car, um, says Auto Trader. Um, they have surveyed 2,867 people, so a decent sample size. Um, 
found that 41% had saved more than £1,000 in, in, in the past year, and almost 15% have saved over £3,000. Um, so they are predicting that people are going to go out and splash it, splash it on, on a car. Um, I t 18 billion is, is quite a lot less than the figures that I've seen quoted from the Bank of England. I think we've been talking about this before, and I think it was 180 billion. So either either that's a typo in our story, or uh, or the figures are, figures are slightly wrong. I would maybe guess it might be the former, but um, yeah, there's a. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, yeah, well, I didn't write that story, so I don't. Uh, it was batch, so we'll, <laughs> quick edit on that story. But yeah, it, it, either way, I think the fact that that, that people are, are willing to to go out and spend on a new car is is good news, isn't it, for for the motor industry? Seventy one percent said they save money on not eating out. Funny that, considering restaurants have been closed. Where <laughs> yeah, but showrooms were, are closed, aren't they? Where were the twenty nine percent eating out? That's what I want to know. Well, you've been managing. I have five, five guys, five guys in the car park. <laughs> Love that's my one. Um, so my next one is about how more than half of car dealers think that Q2 sales will be up. Um, this is news from the Motor Ombudsman this week, who did a snap poll of their members. Um, Didn't say how many though, did it? No, but quite a lot. How do you know that? Well, no, I don't. <laughs> this, sounds don't like, this sounds like the 180 billion figure. <laughs> this is my story <laughs> as well. Um, but of their people that they surveyed in the snap poll, maybe five, 53% um, thought that um, new car sales were going to be up between April and June, and 70% thought the used car sales were going to be up um, between April and June, uh, which I know is not really like the wildest news in the world, but there is quite a lot of positivity around at the, around this at the moment yeah. and it feels like a lot of people like we've talked about already are doing very well at the moment in their car dealerships sales are feeling very strong and people think it's going to continue because even though i've had an email today to say that it doesn't look like the third wave is going to happen good so summer holidays probably will happen i like that you got told that by by email no third oh, yeah. wave email no because i'm signed up for the um the Zoe COVID study. Oh, of course you are. Yes, of course I am. I like to give my data for these sort of things. But yeah, <laughs> a bit of non-car dealer related news. They say that um, cases have halved in a seven day period. So the third wave in summer is looking unlikely. That's good. We like that. That means no more lockdowns. Yeah. So we hope. Um, so how many have I done now? I've done Lookers, uh, Brit spending Rolls Royce. Removing. I've done I'm four. On I'm on my fifth. Yeah. Um, so I'm going with um, the furlough fraud investigations now open, 10,000 of which have been opened by the government um, as they've funded a special task force to tackle cases. Um, I think this is going to be the absolute saga um, and scandal of the pandemic, the uh, the furlough. Um, I think this it's going to last for like 10 years, I think. It is. I, I mean, it, it is because... Uh, I mean, they say in this story, uh, HMRC say that if anybody's made an innocent mistake, they're not going to, they're not going to, um, they're not going to penalise them. But they need to come forward and and admit that they've done it, um, and th or think that they've done it, um, so they can, um, so they can, so they can sort it out. But uh, there's a lot of people out there. I mean, this story talks about the fact that that one company, um, despite being closed, 
um, completely was claiming was claiming furlough for all of its all of its staff. Another company was reported for uh, claiming furlough for all of the um, all of its staff um, and making them work. So I think that's going to happen a lot because we've heard rumours of it, haven't we? Um, of these companies that have have claimed furlough for, for staff members and and carried on making them work from home. And me and John are here like, oh yeah, we had to work through. Hang on. No, I didn't get any furlough money. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely scandalous. Take that. Um, but there is, there's, there, there is definitely firms out there that have, um, that have, that have done this. Um, and I think that the government is going to want their money back. I mean, they've put out a lot of cash, haven't they? I think it's 58 billion has been spent out. In, uh, in yeah, furlough. I reckon as well, there's going to be a lot of businesses who put their staff on furlough, got rid of them when they could be like full they were fully entitled to but there'll be a lot of um, bad blood and people reporting them for things they didn't do yeah it's going to be um people crying wolf and saying oh yeah they did make me work through furlough and pretended they didn't mm, that's going to be a very difficult one i mean some cases obviously not so much but i i can't see how they're going to work through every single company that has done that it's going to rely massively on whistleblowing isn't it yeah well that must be why they're saying to people let us know if you've done it by accident because then mm -hmm. they can say Oh yeah, cross them off the list. We won't investigate them now. Well, I mean this, and it's not just furlough. I mean, it's the eat out to help out scheme as well. They're investigating one restaurant apparently was making claims through the through the eat out to help out scheme despite being closed. I mean, <laughs> really? They, yeah. yeah, they got they, the HMRC got um, thirteen thousand eight hundred pounds back from that business. But I mean, that's that should be prison, shouldn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, they were like, why is everyone right? spending exactly £10 when they come and eat with you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think there's going to be so much of this, and um, I'm sure we'll be writing many, many stories about this for, for years to come. But that's it. That's my five. Is that actually five, though? Because I'm pretty sure I've got a fifth one. And I started uh, first. Uh, I realise I'm supposed to be the judge, but I... I talked about five. Anyway, <laughs> do your one. Um, my one was just about um, the, how the number of pe young people with driving licences has fallen by quite a large number, obviously because, like we've talked about many times, driving tests couldn't take place, like restaurants were closed, etc. Um, but yeah, I just wonder what, I thought it was interesting because I wonder what the kind of knock-on effect is going to be. It sounds like a really weird thing to say, but there's only so many driving instructors. Yeah, I, d I did think this one, but... The, what we've seen from polls, haven't we, and research that actually the, the pandemic has meant that more young people want to have a car now than did beforehand, sort of reversed that trend of people moving away from wanting to have a vehicle. And I think this is purely the figures just came off the back of the fact that no one can take a test. Mm, so, but my point is more, there's still the same number of people turning 17 who can now take a driving test. And it was, I don't know what it was like for you, John, but I remember when I was taking my driving test, it was like impossible to book a session with my driving instructor anyway. Um, uh, it's a long time ago, I hate to yeah. say. But <laughs> yeah, I can't That's why I didn't that. ask James even longer ago. <laughs> I just remember it was a nightmare every week. I was booking like weeks in advance. And um, so now I think it's the time, if you've lost your job during the pandemic, now is the time to retrain as a driving <laughs> instructor because it's probably going to be... It was like, it was quite a considerable number down. I want to say it was like 500,000 people less than this time last year. Yeah, I think I do you know what I think the bigger the biggest scandal about all of this is the fact that those um people who took a driving theory test 
they get a certain amount of time that that's valid for before oh, yeah. they can take a test. And there's huge numbers of those. I mean, we're talking thousands that are going to run out. And the government have said that tough luck, you're going to have to take it again. They should have to take it for free. Yeah, if that's the case. But again, it's an absolute nightmare to book in for a theory test or for a driving test. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So I think that's it. I haven't got any more, I'm afraid. For, for once, oh. I haven't got any more. But I've definitely done five. Don't let that impact your voting at all, John. <laughs> I mean, when do I vote? Do I say it now? Um, do you think we've missed anything from this week? Well... There's a couple of things that I have my, my eye on. One was, to be fair, a carryover from the magazine. So I don't know if you're counting oh, this. We can count that. And you might have covered this last week, but it was the, the investigation about Brexit leading to a parts crisis. Was oh, that something the, that I no. This went crazy on the website. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't have that. Yeah, so I think that is quite a big deal. That went, as you say, went a bit loony in terms of traffic. But I mean, it's just, it's indicative of the whole situation. I think we've, we've probably stopped talking about it because of the pandemic to an extent. Um, but it's, it's, ev it's in every industry, isn't it? Fundamentally. Yes. Yeah. You just have to look hard enough and you do find it. I mean, even stupid things like I bought, you know, a bit of revenge spending. I bought some Sonos speakers for myself. So posh. Um, and obviously for the house so that everyone can enjoy them. Uh, but some Sonos speakers, and I didn't realise that they came from the Netherlands or Poland or somewhere like that, which was absolutely fine until I wanted to return them. And then it took so long for them to go back. I mean, to be fair, I'm, I'm only about nothing because I didn't have to pay for the returns. But the amount of paperwork they had to go back with just for two speakers um, and the amount of time that it took for them to register, you know, I could, I could see the tracking. It took 14 days for them to go back because they were stuck in customs in Poland for some reason. For so, know, I, so I heard a, st so, a story similar to that, where someone had a laptop that they bought here, and they had sent it off for repairs, and it was done outside of, outside of the UK. Mm. had to go somewhere in Europe. And when it came back, they wanted to charge them for the laptop again. <laughs> I mean, it's just, there, there's many of these like bonkers stories, isn't there? What, ch charge them the duty for it to come back in again? Yeah. Or not the whole the laptop. There, despite the fact it was there, the duty for it to come back in again. So they wanted to charge them the duty again on, a, on as if it was a new purchase, despite the fact they'd already bought it and it was theirs. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah, it's all of these ridiculous things. And I think the fact with that story is we were getting loads of traffic from all over the web, weren't we, from, mm. from these, these Twitter accounts that had shared it, that you, you forget how angry people are still about Brexit. Yeah. I mean, and there's just, there's a lot of accounts out there that just simply look for these stories that go, Brexit was an absolute nightmare. Look, here's some proof. Um, and just that, that's what their Twitter feed is, just constantly all of these sorts of stories. So I think whatever your, whatever your standpoint on Brexit is, there's, this is going to be another long running saga of people going, told you so. Mm. Anything Much else? Um, apart from that, Obviously, I'm interested in anything Japanese related. Uh, so it's quite interesting to see Caterham being bought by this company called VT yes. Holdings, yep. which is a kind of a, a bit of an odd company in Japan, but they seem to own a lot of dealer groups. Western uh, garages in the UK. Indeed, yep. indeed. So they have a, a selection of some dealer groups here that they own, not huge ones, but decent sized ones anyway. Um, 
and they also have the distribution rights for various companies in various automotive companies in Japan. So they look after if you bought a Lotus in Japan, it's come through these people. Um, I suppose they're a bit like International Motors. I was going to say they're similar to IM, yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, I don't know if they have any dealer holdings or whatever. But I just thought it was interesting to see for a change a car company being bought by what to me looks like a smaller company than you might imagine, you know. Yeah. Like you hear about Lotus have been bought by Geely, who are a mm. gigantic Chinese company, um, or Tata owning Jaguar Land Rover, but VT Holdings seems quite petite compared to some of these, which is quite nice. I suppose that they've got plans to expand it in other markets. Mm, possibly. But I think Caterham, I think that's one of their biggest markets in is Japan, isn't it? That's what um, is it? came out of our interview, I think. Right. Well, it sort of makes a lot of sense then, doesn't it? Because mm. I think, of course, Japan is very, you know, anything old and British is in favour in Japan, or certainly was, you know, in the last 15 years. Just like anything old and Japanese is in favour with you, John. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I will be making an offer for Subaru Corporation. Um, I hope that goes through. And uh, yeah. probably six chicken nuggets and a flurry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that was about it for me. So come on in, John. Who's won? Well, I have forgotten who said which, but <laughs> I think it's probably James. Yes! <laughs> because he pays your wages. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, what was it? It was the GDPR one, I thought was... Thank you, John. Yeah. That's, I think that and the Brexit one are my winners for the, the week, really. Excellent. I'll, I'll take that win. Thank you very much. Very good. You're welcome. Thank you, John, for joining us on the podcast once again. When we're pleasure, actually as always. Meant to have you here rather than you jumping in at the last minute. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening to Cardinal Podcast today. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, you can let us know by sending us a message across social media channels. Uh, you just need to search for Cardinal Magazine. Make sure to subscribe, rate and review us if you like what we've heard today. Um, thank you to John for joining us today again. And next week, we will be back again with more people and more news. All the stories we mentioned today, I'm going to put in the show notes now, um, which takes me quite a long time. I don't know if I've mentioned before. You'll also yeah, be able to find a story on our website um, where I'll put links to all of the, um, the stories we mentioned today as well. So head over there now. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>